you can be seated. Yeah, fantastic job, team. That was really good. Yeah, thank you so much. Welcome to North Village Church. My name is Michael. It's great to see you here uh, today. Uh, one of the pastors here, and it's great to be with you in person. It's great to be with you online. And, uh, and we're excited to get into God's Word today. Uh, but uh, before we do, we want to pause and acknowledge what is going on in our country uh, right now. Uh, last Sunday, police were called into an altercation where Jacob uh, Blake was fired uh, on seven times and hit by four bullets. And you could say, well, uh, Jacob Blake needs to uh, stop resisting arrest. Yes, okay. And you can also say, well, our, our police need to find uh, more ways uh, to avoid firing seven bullets, right? Right, that life is, life is precious. We want to do everything possible to avoid uh, taking that action. And, and as a result uh, of those events, there was riots in Wisconsin. And on Tuesday, 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse has been charged with first-degree homicide after uh, two people were killed and injuring a third. So how do we as followers of Jesus respond? We're going to talk about our community today. We're going to talk about serving our community today. It's a part of our series on uh, the DNA of our church family, uh, but it seemed uh, appropriate in light of what's going on in our country that we would begin with uh, a prayer, and really a prayer of lament. Uh, so will you bow your heads? If you're at home, just bow your heads, close your eyes, and, and pray with me. Our Father in heaven, we want to pause here for a moment and acknowledge that we know there is violence in the world, and there is violence in our very hearts, but we are seeing this violence come to the surface at a rapid pace. It would be easy for us to consume so much violence internally and externally, so that we become numb to death and darkness. So we want to pause so as to remember death and darkness is not normal. In the words of Psalm 13, we cry out, How long, O Lord? How long will creation moan and groan from sin? How long will humanity wallow and ache from injustice? How long will we see the hidden layers of our heart become visualized on our phones? So we come to you now. Heavenly Father, we humbly ask you to light up our eyes to your glory Help us to see your hand at work so that it might move our hands into your work and ultimately trust in you that one day every injustice in this world and in our hearts will be completely accounted for 
and reconciled in the life, death, resurrection, and promised return of Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, last Sunday, we launched a new series on our DNA. And we need to talk about our DNA right now as a church family. We're, we're a, a remote church meeting at 4 p.m. Uh, we don't have a home. We're in the process of looking for property. Like now more than ever, we need to be reminded of why we exist as a church family. Last Sunday, we talked about the importance of our uh, church family centering our lives on Jesus. And today, we're going to talk about what it means for us to be a church family engaging our community. And when we say community, uh, you might think of internal church family community, but we, we mean the community at large. We mean our city. Uh, we mean the outward works of serving North Central Austin. And so we just want to start off with our vision, right? North Village Church is a family. We'll talk about that next Sunday. Who placed Jesus at the center of our lives, which we talked about last Sunday, so that it moves us to chase after every man, woman, and child in greater Austin with the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. That's our vision as a church family. We believe when we're centered on Jesus and when we're connected to one another that it's going to catapult us into our community, into our city to see every man, woman, and child in Austin have a, an opportunity to hear about Jesus and respond. You need to know that's our vision for our church family. That's not going to change. No matter what happens in our country, what shows up on our timeline, we are going to be about these things. So today we want to talk about what does that look like practically. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 18, and we're going to focus on these three subpoints. We're going to see that in Acts 18, our resources are from the Lord. Our results are from the Lord. And the last one is just how can we not? How can we not be a church family that engages our community? I've asked our very own Geraldine Browning to come read our passage of Scripture today. So y'all give a round of applause for Geraldine. It's her birthday today. It's a new tradition in our church family. There you go, Geraldine. After these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles." Then he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God, whose house was next to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all his household, 
and many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it, if it were a matter of wrong or a vicious crime, O Jews, it would be reasonable for me to put up with you. But if there are questions about words and names and your own law, look after it yourselves. I am unwilling to be a judge of these matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. And they all took hold of Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and began beating him in front of the judgment seat. But Gallio was not concerned about any of these things. Paul, having remained many days longer, took leave of the brethren and put out to sea for Syria, and with him were Priscilla and Aquila. In Centria, he had his hair cut, for he was keeping a vow. All right, thank you, Geraldine. Y'all give a round of applause for Geraldine. Thank you so You take that with you. Thank you so much. All right, thank you so much. <clears throat> Let me give you some backstory. Maybe turn on some house lights. I can't see y'all's faces. Y'all are kind of trying to hide from me because uh, we're jumping into Acts. We're in the, in the New Testament. Are there no house lights? You got to read in the dark. There you go. <laughs> Acts is in the New Testament. The life of Jesus, his death, resurrection has been recorded in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels. Right, the book of Acts, we're going to see the message of Jesus explode out of Jerusalem, uh, Samaria, Judea. Uh, it's going to s explode all over the Roman Empire. And I think it's possible that we might think to ourselves, when we look at the events in our day-to-day, -day, like, man, these are crazy times. It is crazy. And you could find yourself thinking, like, what's going to happen with the local church? What's going to happen with our faith in Jesus? Are we ever going to be able to leave our houses again? Like, it's crazy. But when you read the book of Acts, like, the local church is all about perseverance. In the book of Acts, we see persecution. As a result of that persecution, you see a scattering. And over and over in the book of Acts, you see the local church persevering. That's exactly what happens in Acts 18. The apostle Paul, he takes the gospel to this city called Corinth. All right, this is taking place about uh, 50 A.D. It's about 17 years after the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. So the people in Corinth, they're... Uh, they're just like you and me. They don't see Jesus uh, face to face. They're hearing about Jesus through the lips of, of somebody else. And, and, and through the declaring and demonstrating of the gospel, a new church is birthed in Corinth. And I know Corinth sounds like a, a place in Narnia, uh, but this is a real location. You can visit it today. It's located in southern Greece. It's a uh, first century uh, Corinth would have been a vibrant city, would have been exploding with growth, uh, economy, technology, uh, advancement, education, and a lot of sexual activity. Overlooking the city of Corinth was the temple of Aphrodite. You see that little, little hill there? There was a temple of Aphrodite, and they had thousands of men and women that functioned as prostitutes. 
where you could, uh, as, as acts of worship, under worship, you could participate in sexual activity so that sailors and businessmen and women would come from all over the Roman Empire to Corinthianize. Right? There was a name for it. They had categorized themselves. A name for drunkenness and sexual promiscuity was to be Corinthian. Right? That's the context of Acts chapter 18. That's the context of men and women going into a city, demonstrating and declaring the name of Jesus. This is important. Because when we talk about serving our community, it, it, it might be easy to find ourselves thinking like, Michael, man, Austin is uh, wicked. It's horrible. It's like Gotham. Uh, it's all darkness, right? We need to flee. The people in Austin, they're not interested in Jesus. The challenges in Austin, they're, they're too great. Uh, and sometimes I hear uh, people kind of making fun of uh, Austin and making fun of uh, the challenges and, 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 and saying things like, that's why I left that city, right? Had to get further out. That city was too dark as though sin was geographically biased, right? As though we could run away and move away from sin. I mean, I get it. There are challenges in Austin. But God's word shows God's people living out the name of Jesus in cities like Austin, in Corinth, maybe more challenging than Austin. And that brings us to our first sub-point, that our resources are from the Lord. Write that in your notes. Our resources are from the Lord. In Acts 18, we see the name of Jesus uh, being proclaimed in this uh, city of Corinth. And in verses 1 to 5, we see a tremendous amount of resources are already in place. Look at verses 1 to 5. We'll read again. After these things, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. He found a a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. That's that scattering we talked about. Verse 3, and because Paul was of the same trade, he stayed with them while they were working for their trade. They were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. And in Acts 18, the apostle Paul shows up in this chaotic Corinthian city, and by God's grace, resources are already available, right? Men and women and money. We see Aquila and Priscilla in verse 2, Silas and Timothy in verse 5. They're bringing money from the churches in Macedonia for the gospel to be proclaimed. Their resources are from the Lord. We know Paul meets Silas and Timothy in Acts 15 and 16, but we don't know how Paul meets Aquila and Priscilla. I mean, verse 3 just tells us they're in the same trade. Just going to work for the day. They're tent makers, rubbing shoulders, talking about Jesus. Resources are from the Lord. I mean, I remember when we first started North Village Church, uh, it was just an idea in my head. 2008, I mean, I began to talk to people about what it would mean to be a part of a new church. And it was like crickets. Like, like nobody's interested. Nobody's responding. And then my wife, Holly, comes home one day. And uh, she says, hey, I met, this, uh, I met this woman in the neighborhood. She has uh, uh, two little girls, and uh, we're going to go trick-or-treating with them. 
That was Risa and Geraldine Browning in 2008. We show up, we start talking. Risa asks, what do you do for work? I say, well, I'm in the process of starting a church. That's usually where the conversation would end. But Risa says, that sounds interesting. Maybe we should talk more about that. And the Browning family have been with us ever since. They're like a modern-day Aquila and Priscilla. I mean, listen to me. Our church family is full of Aquilas and Priscillas and Silas and Timothys. The reason our church family exists today is because resources are from the Lord. And the Lord has called us, North Village Church, to pour out our lives in north-central Austin. We partner with other churches around Austin to reach greater Austin, to fulfill our vision. But our focus is on north-central Austin. Do you know north-central Austin? Do you know 78757? Let me tell you the story of 78757. That's that little outlined area, 78757. In the 1950s was booming. And it was the suburbs of Austin. World War II vets came home, and they got a house. They got a family, and, the, and it was just exploding with growth. Churches were full, ice cream, socials galore, people just hanging out. 183, that's just farmland, 1950s. But in the 1980s, there's this oil crisis in Texas, in Austin, and a lot of people and a lot of churches begin to move out of this area into the suburbs. Over the next 20 years, there's a lot of turnover, largely neglected until about the 2000s. There's a tech boom in Austin, and, and new growth starts to come in. New business starts to move in. Domain starts to break ground. And now those 1950s homes are worth $750,000. Why didn't you get one in the 1950s? Spiritually, there are many church buildings in 78757, but generally they are dying off. Many of them are filled with those families from the 1950s, and they're tired. And the people that have moved into 78757, they don't seem to be looking for a church family, but they are our Corinthians in the best sense of the word. They are who the Lord has called us to. I know many of us, maybe only half a dozen of us, uh, live in 78757 so that many of us come from all over uh, the city. Many of us are Silas and Timothy, right, who have come from all over uh, the city. But while we're here, man, we are looking for the Aquilas and Priscillas and beyond. I mean, we're going we're gonna to trust that the resources are from the Lord and that He's going to accomplish His purpose for our church family. Let's talk about the second sub-point. The results are from the Lord. Results are from the Lord. Now, what I've found is that many of us can get excited. Many followers of Jesus get excited about serving other people. Very much have a heart warmth for that. But what I've also found is that when, when followers of Jesus don't see results, when we don't see immediate kind of connection, we get discouraged. Right? We get discouraged, and, and, and sometimes we get distracted. But what we see in Acts 18, we need to remember that results are from the Lord. Look at verses 6 and 7. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he, that's Paul, shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentile. 
Then he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God whose house was next to the synagogue. Next to the synagogue. In the context of Acts 18, the Apostle Paul makes his way to the synagogue. Jewish people. Verse 4, proclaims the gospel. They're not having it. They're resistant. They're pushing him away. And the Apostle Paul ends up talking to the guy next door, TJ. TJ responds, faith in Jesus, opens up his home and has a worship service in his home. It's just a reminder that we need to remember the results are from the Lord. That the Lord has called us to this, this part of our city. And we've been at it for 10 plus years. 10 plus years. And we've, we've found different ways to serve this community. And we always don't see a great response. We always don't see great results. We, we did a dog fair. We used to do dog fair for a few years, just finding ways to connect with people. We've gone door to door, knocking on the doors. How can I pray with you? Get into the gospel with people. We volunteered uh, to serve local schools in the area, help little kids read. We picked up trash in the creeks. We've done free soccer clinics. We've raised food for homeless shelters. Like we, uh, we, we, we tried a, a lot. We haven't necessarily seen the, the resistance that, that Paul saw in Acts 18, but we haven't seen a lot of results, but it doesn't matter because we're committed. We're committed and we're trusting that the results are from the Lord because we have no idea what the Lord might be doing. We, we have no idea who might be listening next door. Or we don't know. And so we just faithfully engage, connect with people. I remember when uh, we met Dustin and Becca Rogers. Met him at my son's birthday party when he was, what, like two, three years old? We weren't looking for Dustin and Becca Rogers. That's how we came upon Dustin and Becca Rogers. Met uh, Richard Sanders in a coffee shop. I wasn't going there to look for Richard Sanders. Started talking to him at a coffee shop. Katie and Sam Sneed met him in my neighborhood. Richard Goldsmith saw a sign. Saw a sign on the road. Like, we have no idea what the Lord might do. Results are from the Lord. But I want us to see something in Acts 18. I just don't want us to miss this. In Acts 18 and really throughout all of Scripture... I want you to see that the majority of what we're going to do as a church family, it's not going to be oriented around events. When you look at Acts 18, when you look at God's word, you don't see event-oriented acts of service as the primary vehicle to engage the community. Does that make sense? Right? We, we don't see outreaches in the scriptures. You don't see events. Uh, you don't see projects. You see people. You, you see Aquila. Priscilla, Silas, Timothy, Acts 16, Lydia, Acts 17, Jason. You see people, normal, everyday people engaging their community, demonstrating the name of Jesus, declaring the name of Jesus. That's our bread and butter. Yes, sometimes we're going to do some organized events in 78757, but, but for the most part, our prayer, our vision is that all of us who are in Christ would be living out the light of Christ all over our city in a variety of different ways with a variety of different people. You with me? This is our focus. This is so important to clarify, especially what's going on in our world right now. There's riots in the streets. 
people are getting shot, living in fear, systems are broken. I mean, surely we know the hope for our country is not a worship service at 4 p.m., right? That's not the hope. The hope isn't that we can get all 2 million people here. The hope is the people, the people of God living our lives, going into our everyday relationships. It's not posting a meme on social media, right? It's talking to our neighbors. It's praying for our coworkers. It's remembering the names of the men and women at the grocery store. It's learning how local government works and voting and getting involved. It's finding specific people. That's the key. We've talked about this. We're not loving the world. So ambiguous. Sending out love. We're finding specific people. It's not glamorous. No one's going to write a book about us. No one's going to interview us. That's what Scripture is calling us to. This is so important for our church family right now. Don't you believe that the enemy, that Satan, that the devil would want nothing more than 150 men and women just to kind of spend our whole day reading articles about defunding the police and how we're going to solve the problem? Here's what I'm going to do. (laughs) Don't you know that's what the enemy would love for all of our passions and our energy and our time just to be on our keyboards, just tacking away? No. No. 150 men and women just engaging 150 other men and women. It's not glamorous. It's hard today. With COVID-19 and masks and social distance, I get it's hard. For me in my life, you know, like because of my story, my mom is at a facility with Alzheimer's. And, and so before COVID-19, like, man, that wing 100 was my mission field. I would go there, not so much to even engage my mom, but to engage the workers. The workers are, most of them, they're first generation into our country. And so just getting to hear their story and talk to them and pray with them, like if possible, and just declare and demonstrate the name of Jesus. And every two weeks, I bring them donuts. Still today, I just drop off donuts at the door. No one cares about, no one's impressed by that. That's what God's word is calling us to. That's the opportunity for our church family. That's why we want to encourage one another and find those people. Lean into Jesus and find those people, and we're going to trust. Results are from the Lord. Results are from the Lord. Let's look at our last sub point. This last one's going to go quick. Listen to me. It's an unusual time. <laughs> it's an unusual time. Now more than ever. How do we not engage our community? Now more than ever, the opportunity is bubbling up to the surface. Now more than ever, people are thinking, maybe I need a savior. Maybe it's not our country. Maybe it's not our education. Maybe it's not our politicians. How can we not? Look at verses 9 and 10. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. Isn't that good? 
in verse 8, many of the Corinthians are hearing about Jesus. They're, they're responding. They're believing. It's awesome. But in verse 12, the Jewish people, they bring a charge against Paul. And in verse 17, literal violence breaks out. Who, who said that the Bible isn't connected to our day in 2020? There's literal riots. People are getting beat up. You know Paul must have been afraid. I mean, Paul wasn't as educated as the Corinthians. He wasn't eloquent as eloquent as the Corinthians. He wasn't as impressive as the Corinthians. And yet the Lord speaks to Paul. Do not be afraid. Do not be silent. For I have many people in this city. Yes. I want you to hear that for our city today. For our country today. Do not be afraid. Do not be silent, for I have many people in this city. Do not be afraid. Do not be silent, for I have many people in this city. We have no idea what the Lord might be doing right now. These same words in Acts 18, these are the same words that Jesus speaks to every, every man, woman, and child in Christ. Go and make disciples, Matthew 28. Do not be afraid. Do not be silent. For I will be with you always. I have many people in this city. How can we not? When I look at the events in the news, I can tell you, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe, maybe COVID-19 never goes away. Maybe riots break out in Austin. Maybe this building opportunity that we're looking at at Anderson Lane, maybe it doesn't happen. I, <laughs> I cannot imagine what tomorrow might bring. But what I can tell you is that as a church family, we, we will continually lean into Jesus and lean in to the declaration and demonstration of the name of Jesus in our city. We will not give in to fear. We will not run. We're going to try to make some organized events possible, I guess. But for the most part, we're going to encourage one another. You lean into Jesus. Lift up your eyes and look around. Acts 17, he's determined the times and places in which we live, our neighbors, our jobs, our extended family, our grocery stores, our fast food place. That's, that's it. We're going to trust. Resources are from the Lord. He's going to provide. Results are from the Lord. He's going to provide. How can we not? How can we not, right? We who were poor, but by grace through faith in Jesus, have become rich. Eternally rich. How can we not? We who were dead, but by grace through faith in Jesus, have been made alive untouchable, sting of death removed. <laughs> like, how can we not? We who were in darkness 
but by grace through faith in Jesus have been ushered into his light. How can we not, huh? How can we not engage our community? We who were uh, liars and thieves and drunks and effeminate homosexuals and idolaters and adulterers, but by grace through faith in Jesus have been washed, have been justified, have been sanctified. In Jesus, how can we not? I know it's hard. I know it's scary. I know it's complicated. How can we not? He has many good works prepared for us. We are his workmanship. He's prepared us to walk in this, to be in this moment. Listen to me, if you don't know Jesus, if you're here in person, if you're online, I don't don't care where you are in your spiritual journey, I don't care how old you are, I don't care if you've been baptized, you've grown up going to church, you need to meet Jesus. And every one of us are invited to respond and to give our lives to Jesus. Do that now. This shaking, this trembling we feel beneath our feet, that is God's grace. That is God's grace calling us to himself. As a reminder that that this foundation was never meant to hold us. It's a a reminder that this foundation is sinking sand. And so it's his grace to woo us, to trust in him, to give our lives to the one who is the solid rock. Like, I don't know where you are, but if you never trust in Jesus, do that today. Trust in him today. Won't you do that? Will you bow your heads? Will you close your eyes? Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for the reminder for us to, uh, uh, to, to remember our purpose as a church family. I confess, uh, most of all, I forget, I get distracted, I get fearful, I get overwhelmed, I, I get lazy, I get apathetic, and I ask you to forgive me for that. I pray you'd forgive every one of us for that, that... that that we would not be looking at, at our ability or our resources or our potential, but that we would see this day in 2020 through your ability, through your preferences, through your potential, through your resources, and that they would be unlimited. Father, we ask you to surprise us in this day. Help us to walk in your power, in your grace, and that we would be in awe of what you do in this day. In our city, in our church, in our country, around our world. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.